0: hey phantom maniacs welcome to the newest episode of the needless things podcast where we talk about toys movies music and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am your host, Dave, and this week's episode is focused on the first part of that introduction, toys. Uh, There is Star Wars talk uh, of a more general nature, but mainly we are sitting down with Victoria from Victoria's Cantina podcast and YouTube channel to talk about the Labs release of the Katana, which is uh, Jabba's sail barge to most of us. Uh, I don't. Th- uh, unless you're a big expanded universe nerd like myself uh, and like our guest Victoria, you probably didn't even know that Jabba's sail barge had a name. Heck, I didn't remember it until HasLab announced this thing last year. So today's episode, we're going to talk a lot about the sail barge. We're going to talk a lot about just Star Wars in general. And it's a really cool conversation with a new friend of the show. Before we get to that, I'm going to talk a little bit about what's been going on. Uh, Tonight, I had a very exciting creative meeting with a couple of... uh, Well, one one friend who I've worked with a whole lot and one new friend. uh, And we've got a special project that, honestly, I'm not sure how much I can say about it. I can tell you that it's going to come to fruition. I believe it's the first Monday in June. And I think I can also say it's part of the Atlanta Film Festival it's something very exciting you know not only the fact that i'm working with these two guys but what we're working on is something that's near and dear to my heart and it's unlike anything i've ever really done before uh as you know i love to perform i love to be in front of audiences i love to grab a microphone when i can But this is going to be a different experience for me and just in sitting with these guys for a few hours tonight and going back and forth about what we were going to do and figuring out our plan for what this thing is going to be. uh, It it was a different process, but one that I thoroughly enjoyed because it's been a while uh, since I've really engaged in that way. You know, I had a great time on the set of Joe Stryker filming my role for that movie, which I'm sure we'll have more about sooner than later. Uh, But, you know, that was mainly, hey, do this. Okay, now I'm going to do this. Uh, This was a whole different thing. It was an exchange of ideas. It was was very much a sharing of the creative process. And I just had, uh, it was reinvigorating because I've missed that in my life. Uh, So that was cool. Uh, Another cool thing is... Me and Phantom Jr. have continued to make our way through the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Excuse me. Had to have a little sip sip of beverage there. I'm a little dry after uh, talking creative ideas all night long. Uh, So, me and Phantom Jr. Obviously, Avengers Endgame comes out... Well, Thursday. So, yesterday to you guys. To me... uh, it's in a couple of days, and unfortunately, I'm working Thursday night, so we don't get to go see it until Friday night after Phantom Jr. gets out of school. And I just bought tickets for us to go see it again Sunday morning because Sunday afternoon I will be getting on the old Skypotron with a few of the Needless Things Irregulars, and we're going to be doing a review of Avengers Endgame. I'm very excited. I'm also very nervous about the possibility of spoilers because the big premiere was tonight if you go on instagram if you follow marvel or disney at all they put up a lot of really cool little messages from the various actors who are part of the avengers franchise uh so that's like getting me really really hyped up but i'm also nervous because i have to work thursday night which means basically i'm not getting on social media all thursday night all friday during the day so i'm gonna have to find something to write about and it worked out pretty well for me this past sunday when i was working overnight and i couldn't watch the second episode of the new season of game of thrones uh and i had to stay off the social media although one of the dum-dums i work with got on twitter and then felt the need to share the spoiler uh, minor minor spoiler uh that she saw and honestly when she said it I was in kind of a uh an interesting brain space where I wasn't really paying too much attention. I didn't totally catch what she said. Uh so nothing and really there wasn't too much to be spoiled anyway, but uh it's it's a very delicate time now for nerds uh as far as the potentiality of spoilers goes. And and look, I get it. I get the idea of well what what do spoilers mean anyway um you know just go in and enjoy the thing and and if if you're gonna go watch it again then then the spoilers don't matter like the second time through right but here's my thing uh watching iron man 3 every single time i watch iron man 3 and i'm i'm one of the ones who likes that movie every single time i watch it i'm mad that marvel studios spoiled uh the the all of the iron man suits from the end of the movie because that should have been a big exciting awesome reveal and instead it's something that they just threw in the trailer and it was very clearly set up through the course of the movie to be a big reveal very much like uh and I don't feel like this is a spoiler because one the movie has been out for a few weeks now and two they did it in the trailer Uh, very much like the new pet cemetery where the movie was very clearly building towards the different death being a surprise and being a well-crafted shocking moment uh, that, that the movie doesn't hinge on that surprise but it is clearly you know they wanted it to be like a big twist like a, oh wow I didn't know that was going to happen and instead the movie studio decided to spoil it in the trailers the uh, same kind of thing as a matter of fact is it the same studio because I believe Iron Man 3 was still paramount and I believe Pet Cemetery is paramount, but I could be wrong about both of those things. But anyway, uh, and you can find my review of the new Pet Cemetery on needlessthingspodcast.com. Uh, overall, I really, really dug the heck out of it. Uh, oh, another big announcement I've got. Uh, if you've been following uh, Needless Things for any amount of time, you know that the Needless Things podcast is hosted on Podbean. That's one website. And that's pretty much just where the podcast is. Uh, I, I don't necessarily encourage traffic there. It's just where it's hosted. Needlessthingspodcast.com is the main podcast or is the main website for Needless Things where you can find the podcast every Friday. Uh, and then myself and our head writer Beth will be providing articles every week. Uh, usually five days a week, which I did not expect to be the case now, but that's just sort of what's ended up happening a lot of weeks lately. Uh, But then NeedlessThingsSite.com, which I never particularly cared for that name, but sometimes you're kind of limited by what's available. NeedlessThingsSite.com was the old site, which was a blogger site, which had a lot of limitations. I was never totally happy with it, or at least once I sort of figured out a little bit more about running a website, I found that blogger was not the best place for it. Um, NeedlessThingsPodcast.com is WordPress, which I switched to, switched the name, switched the site. It's very nice, it's very clean, it's easy to navigate, it's easy for us to post to, it's just a better site. Uh, And I was in the process of importing everything from the blogger site, which is eight years of content, to the WordPress site, and it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. So I finally broke down and went ahead and purchased a new domain, which is oldneedlessthings.com and that will direct you to the blogger site now the blogger site is not going to be updated uh it's basically just an archive but i am going through and doing my best to clean up some formatting issues uh some broken links and it's i mean it'll take me years but if you're like hey Didn't he review some Star Wars vintage collection figures at one point? Or maybe I'd like to read that recap of the first season of Game of Thrones. Or isn't there a movie review for, you know, whatever in there somewhere? Well, it's all back up now. Some of the pictures may be missing. There may be some holes here and there. But. All of mine and Beth's content from the Old Needless Things website is now available once again at OldNeedlessThings.com. So you can go check it out. We'll be able to link back to the older stuff and our new articles now uh, on NeedlessThingsPodcast.com, which is still the main site and still going forward where everything will be updated. excuse me, needed another little sip of beverage there. Uh, so that's cool. That's exciting. I'm glad, even though I hate to be spread across so many different domains, uh, that's just how it is, you know, that's how I've always done things is just to the best of my ability, the best that I can do them. And so there you go. NeedlessThingsPodcast.com, OldNeedlessThings.com. And, uh, then, beyond that uh i don't know that i've got that much to talk about i i'm getting caught up on into the badlands which i think is a tremendously under-discussed show it's excellent it's perfect it's wonderful i love it i think everybody should be watching it uh game of thrones is is happening and is going away soon and i'm very sad about that i'm very nervous about the nights that i have to work nights getting spoiled the final episode of game of thrones i'm scheduled to work that night I I'm not super stoked about it but it's the nature of my job what are you going to do Uh let's see I, I I think that's about everything we've got Avengers in game like that this week that's what everything is about and if you want to uh and, and you should com. this past Wednesday uh I posted an interesting piece that I had a lot of fun writing about the independence of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, of the movies within the MCU. So how well uh, do I think each of the movies stand on their own? How much support do they require from the other movies? How many references are there uh, that are necessary to the plot within each movie? Uh, I sat down and just kind of had a fun time thinking about the MCU and about how everything interconnects. So if you go to needlessthingspodcast.com and check this past Wednesday's post, which is April the 25th, then you'll see an MCU post, and I believe our pal Beth is ranking the MCU uh, doing fresh Marvel Cinematic Universe rankings as far as the quality of the movies that will be going up on Thursday the 26th. So... Uh, there, or I'm, I'm sorry, I, I got those dates wrong because it's 3 o'clock in the morning right now and it actually is Wednesday. So Wednesday, April 24th is my uh, independence within the MCU and then Thursday the 25th will be Beth's uh, ranking of the MCU, fresh new rankings on the MCU movies. So go check those things out. And now it is time to sit down with Victoria from Victoria's Cantina and you should check out the podcast and the YouTube channel for all kinds of awesome Star Wars stuff. And uh we're going to talk about Star Wars and we're going to talk about a big ass toy. <laughs> right, we've got a special treat today on the Needless Things podcast. As you all know, the immense katana, and and we'll discuss that pronunciation in just a minute here, Jabba's sail barge was offered by Hasbro in a a very unorthodox way last year, and I want to talk to somebody about this thing, and the somebody that seemed best was Victoria from Victoria's Cantina. Welcome to the show.
1: Dave, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you today.
0: Uh, I... I know there are tons and tons and tons of places to hear about Star Wars online, but what's interesting to me is finding out sort of people's different perspectives, their different views, and how they got into the hobby of of collecting and talking about Star Wars toys. So tell us a, a little bit about your background with Star Wars and, and how these toys have become such a big part of your life.
1: Absolutely. So we got to go back quite a ways. So we're going to go back to the late 80s. Um growing up back then, uh, obviously, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have tablets. We didn't have computers to do all these fun games on. Um, so we played with toys. Uh, and I think that was the case for a really long time up until those technologies really existed and were mainstream. Um, so my parents, um, th- they would buy us toys. And our family would buy us toys. And the first lines that I remember, I was the oldest of three siblings, that we really had uh, were Ghostbusters by Kenner. Uh, We had the Playmates uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And then we had a few of the Batman figures by Toy Biz and then Kenner. And a few Barbie dolls here and there. But um, I was really gravitating towards the figures that were from the films that I liked. I mean, there were no like Barbie movies at the time. Uh, you had things like Disney movies, but they didn't really do a whole lot with the merchandise. Not, you might have had a few ha- happy meal toys type not ba- things.
0: Not back then anyway. <laughs> now no. it's a different story.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you might have had like happy meal toys through McDonald's, things like that, but not really a proper toy lines, but movies like. Um, Batman or TV shows like uh, Ninja Turtles or Ghostbusters. All of those had very developed toy lines. And uh, I was really into those as a kid. They they just captured my attention. They captured my imagination. And uh, from then, it kind of just grew. Like, we amassed uh, quite a few toys. And um, like I said, our family would buy us toys for birthdays and Christmas. And Uh, It just kind of went on from there. It's something that I've never outgrown. And I think it was 1996 where I started actually getting into Star Wars when they were in the midst of the Power of the Force 2 line. And uh, the way that I caught sight of that was uh, my uncle had been collecting a few pieces here and there. And uh, I know I had seen Star Wars uh, and I had seen Empire and Jedi and uh, I thought, well, that's cool. Let me look a little bit more into this. And so next time we went to the toy store, I paid attention to the Star Wars toys, and I thought, you know, I enjoy these movies. I don't know them as well as some of these other movies that I like, but uh, you know, I think I could get into that. So, the very first Power of the Force two figure I got was C three PO, and uh, that was actually purchased for me by my grandmother. And uh, basically, that one gift that I got. Um, turned into a lifelong passion for Star Wars and for collecting Star Wars toys. And um, just a lifelong passion and adoration for toys, period, because I've always been into all those other uh, franchises that I noted, as well as Jurassic Park. That's been a huge one for me, um, especially oh, so lately. Is, with the,
0: So this has been a good mm-hmm? year for you.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> uh, the uh, Jurassic World toys by far have been outperforming anything I showcase on my YouTube channel. Uh, by by a long shot and uh, I just adore everything Mattel's been doing uh, as somebody that did have those Kenner Jurassic Park toys and did wake up on Christmas morning to the classic red T-Rex uh, I absolutely am all 100% in <laughs> what they've been doing there um, But to mention how I got into you know actually showcasing toys and reviewing them, it was 2013 I had recently been laid off of a job that I had had for almost 4 years and um it was a pretty big change. I relocated. I was living in Orange County, California. I moved down to San Diego, California, where I'm where I'm still at. And um, uh, my boyfriend at the time, who's my husband now, was was living here already. And uh, I had a little bit of free time as I was, you know, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I ended up actually going back to school, and then I graduated last year. I finally finished. But I, uh, in the, my free time, I thought, okay, I have all these toys. Uh, it, 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 you know, actually, when you move. You realize how many toys you have <laughs> because uh, yeah. it's like where where am I gonna put all these toys? what do I do with them um so I thought, you know what I'm gonna showcase this I'm gonna share my passion for Star Wars and Jurassic Park and you know d c and all these other toys that I have with other people around that time I had noticed that on YouTube people were starting to uh, do toy reviews and they were starting to show their collections and Um, I thought, you know what, I could do that. I I could show what I have and hopefully somebody out there is going to see it and they are going to maybe have some appreciation for these lines. Maybe we can have a conversation about how they collected. And uh, what started with a couple of, you know, just a few video reviews, I really didn't think anything was going to come from uh, over the last six years has turned into a pretty decent sized YouTube channel. We're over 20,000 at this point. Uh, I think we have somewhere near 12 million combined views. Um, we have Cantina Chatter Podcast, which is an extension of the channel. We talk about toys and and films and uh we, we talk to people that might have had small roles in the Star Wars films, things like that. Um but then I also have the Discoveryland podcast, which is uh it's a Disneyland history focused podcast. I'm a huge Disneyland fan. And uh, we, we, t- we talk about the history of extinct attractions and rides and things that are no longer there. Uh, and then I also uh, cover events like Toy Fair, uh, San Diego Comic Con, uh, where I've been able to have great conversations with the people that are bringing us these awesome toys. Sometimes I get them on the podcast. And I've written a few articles for websites. Uh, we've done some for uh, Jedi Temple Archives, for Jedi Insider, for Toy News Insider, for Jurassic Park Podcasts. So... Uh, I have a lot of fun. Uh, It it really is kind of like a part-time job all the time that I do put into this. And, of course, on Instagram, we're huge on uh, the toy photography with the the Jurassic Park toys and the Star Wars toys and all that. Um, But I have a blast. Uh, I know I put a lot of time into it, probably more than I should. But it, it all goes back to that lifelong passion for toys and just really having been gripped at an early age by all of this fantastic stuff. I love these little pieces of plastic and I really can't imagine my life without them.
0: Uh, That's awesome and that's a fantastic story. I I love because this doing this sort of thing, I mean you said part-time but really it's like a second full-time job because it's always, uh, for me, there's always some little part of me that's thinking about, okay, what is what's the next episode or how can I incorporate something from this into what I'm doing? Like my brain is much more engaged in this, which is technically a hobby than it is in my day job. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, That's a fantastic history. And it's funny because I think we've got uh, an interest. This will be an interesting generational conversation because I uh, started with Star Wars when Star Wars started my my Christmas, you mentioned your Christmas with the T Rex under the tree. Um mm-hmm. my Christmas was the uh, original Millennium Falcon under the tree. Nice. So that yeah, there's that's uh but when I when uh Kenner relaunched Star Wars in ninety five is when I became sort of re immersed into Star Wars toys. Uh you know, when I was a kid I had all the Kenner stuff that was until G. I Joe came along that was my big line. Uh but then, same way as you, I, in the nineties, uh, I it, it recaptured me again, and I was just trying to collect everything that I could because once they got past the big beefy superhero figures that they launched with, <laughs> uh, which I still love. Don't get me wrong. Uh, that, you know that's that's a landmark in the in the Star Wars toy franchise and. And uh, I'll always love it. But uh, once they got past those, they really started putting out some incredible stuff, even even if it was just really nice repaints of the original vehicles. Uh, so what, do you have a favorite sort of corner of Star Wars toydom, a favorite line, or, or a particular aspect of Star Wars that you, you tend to gravitate towards more than others?
1: Um, In the past, I would have said three and three-quarter inch was always like the focus of my Uh, toy collecting, and and really it still is, Uh, but I think that's only because I have the longest history with it, and it's the the mainstay of the entire line, and um, I have a bigger Star Wars collection than than I do anything else. I mean, it's it's just the thing I've been collecting the longest. It's the thing that I have invested the most time and money and effort into, and um, three three three-quarter inch has always been the bulk of what I've been doing, but that being said, I really am into six inch as well. Uh, I have every Black Series figure. Um, I think that it is still pretty ripe for growth as far as you know new character possibilities, new things they can do with it. Uh, they've been kind of playing it a little bit safe, I would say. But I'm also really into things like the SH Figuarts figures. Um, I, I really do appreciate the six inch. I think as I get older, I, I appreciate larger figures. I still love three and three quarter inch. Obviously, or I wouldn't have packed the barge or anything like that. But um, I think as I've, I've as time has gone on, I, I've also branched out a little bit beyond that, and that's partly due to Hasbro offering the six inch line. And I do have a few things like the Hot Toys, um, not a ton of them, but I do have a few of those. Um, but yeah, I mean, if I had to pick one thing that I could only Maybe that I could keep, or one thing that I had I had to only focus on the rest of my life. It would have to be three and three quarter because, again, that's the bulk of my collection, and um, that to me that's like really what Star Wars has always been about is these those three and three quarter inch figures and vehicles and playsets. So, uh, yeah, if I had to pick one thing, it'd be three and three quarter inch.
0: Yeah, that's, I'm on board with that. That that's the heart and soul of my collection. Uh, I've got a few things here and there. You mentioned the Hot Toys and. Uh, so, I, yeah, I've gone outside of three and three-quarter inch a little bit. I got, uh, when Sideshow had the license to make 12-inch figures, I, I got several of those. And I, the Black Series, it's it's a funny thing because my friends and I, who've been collecting the three and three-quarter inch stuff for, for decades now, uh, when they initially switched to the black series i was like you traitors i can't believe you're leaving our <laughs> our scale but i've got a shell I, I i haven't gone all in but they've put out some stuff i just can't resist and now that they're they're uh the face printing technology that they're using they're putting out these incredible figures but fortunately from what i understand hasbro going to be uh, bringing that to the vintage collection as well so it's uh but but yeah it's it's all star wars toys it's all great and of course the greatest of all of them at this point has to be uh jabba sail barge which is pronounced how
1: Jabba Sail Barge i believe it's pronounced the katana
0: That's what i've been saying and every time i say it though i think of the sword and is is that a reference to the sword or is everybody pronouncing this wrong is it katana which I've—that's I've, the thing with uh, Star Wars pronunciations—is very often we're reading them because in the movies they don't refer to to aliens by their species name. They don't refer to vehicles by their proper names. So more often mm-hmm. than not, we've read these names. Uh, so you may have spent—I don't know—I don't know if you ever dipped into the expanded universe or if you're reading the current books now, which I, I haven't been able to keep up with. Uh, But, you know, that's where we get these names and stuff that that we often just read. So it's it's funny when you run into somebody who has actual practical knowledge of how something is pronounced, and it changes your whole Star Wars experience. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So what happened with this is uh, Hasbro, for whatever reason, decided that they really wanted to create and sell, and sell being the important part here, a three and three quarter inch scale uh, playset slash vehicle of Jabba's sail barge from Return of the Jedi. Now, for me, I I can't say I mean there's nothing from Star Wars, especially the original trilogy, that I would say I don't want that. But I can't say the sail barge was anything that I'd ever really thought about. Like, oh, I have to have that as a playset. Like Jabba's palace or a Star Destroyer or the Death Star probably would have come first. Even though the sail barge is such a cool and, and dynamic thing in the movies, was this one that you had thought of previously as as sort of a, a grail of the collection, or was it something you were a little surprised they were making?
1: Uh, honestly, I was pretty surprised that they actually did it, because I know for a long time, uh, especially if you go back a decade when they were doing those uh, Q&As that Hasbro was really awesomely doing for a while with a bunch of websites... Um, people would ask about that, you know, are you going to do the sale barge? And they said, well, you know, there's not enough support behind a product like that. It's a little too niche. It's a little too, um, not something that's really in the current entertainment. Um, so I, I know a lot of people were asking for it though. There was rallying behind it from, you know, different websites like Bantha Uh, they wanted to see, uh, the barge come to fruition. So when they finally announced it, I was I was blown away. I, I really did not anticipate that that was going to be a thing. Um, but I was very happy that it was because, obviously, you know, it, like you said, it is original trilogy. And for me, that's where, like, all of my, my – my the passion that I have for Star Wars, like, like the, the brunt of it is in the original trilogy. So I was super stoked when they announced the sale of Barge.
0: Yeah, I was – I mean, it was immediately a must-have because for the last few years, the three and three-quarter inch, or, or as as it's generally referred to now, vintage collection style, uh, has been fairly neglected. Uh, we get a lot of repacks or a lot of nothing. So just to have something new for that was very, very exciting for me. But what excited uh-huh. me more was just the concept of HasLab.
1: Yeah, yeah, that um, that was interesting because they did announce that at the same time. You know, there's this new HasLab initiative, where they are going to do these, um, you know, far outside the box Star Wars or or even Marvel, anything really that falls under the Hasbro uh, banner, um, uh, possibilities uh, as long as there's enough support to make them happen. Uh, people could get together and make things like the barge a reality. So, yeah, that is truly an exciting possibility, just imagining the, the crazy things they could possibly do that just wouldn't work at retail. Uh, and I know a lot of people are asking for things like a Death Star and you know, maybe a cantina play set. All, things like that, to me, are really exciting possibilities.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's it, what HasLab is, for the listeners, it's basically like Kickstarter, except you don't have to worry that you're never going to get the product you backed because yeah. it's coming from Hasbro uh it you know they' if the thing meets its goal which obviously it did because you and I both have sail barges uh sitting somewhere in our homes right now and we'll discuss <laughs> that space issue in just a minute here uh but it's Hasbro they there if if it hits the goal if it hits the thing that they set they're gonna make it uh there there's a lot more uh certainty I felt a whole lot better about throwing my money at them. Uh, than than I would have about any Kickstarter or anything like that. Uh, So I was absolutely in, you were absolutely in, and then began the waiting process. Now, before it was confirmed that they were going to make this thing, I I didn't honestly feel like it was going to go through. How were you feeling at the beginning?
1: At the very beginning, I was optimistic. I thought, okay, so this is kind of like, You know, that one thing that if we make happen, could possibly open the door to greater things happening down the road. Uh, If we don't support it and the opportunity passes us by, then I think that that's going to be a very clear signal to Hasbro that, you know, long term Star Wars collectors aren't really serious about putting their money where their mouth is, so to speak. Um, So I was optimistic. I was hopeful that it was going to happen. A lot of people were saying, you know, I don't think it's going to pass. I don't think it's going to happen. And I said, well, you know what, let, let, let's just kind of wait and see what happens. You know, you know, we've already backed our barges. Um, let's just be hopeful and let's put the word out there. The hashtag back the barge was, you know, we it was going on Twitter. It was we were using it on Instagram. And uh, it kind of took on a little bit of a life of its own within Star Wars collecting. Um, and uh, as, as time went on, I started losing a little bit of that optimism as it got closer and to the deadline. And we still hadn't reached the amount of. Supporters that were needed, but then towards the end when it, you know, those numbers just spiked. Um, I, I think everybody was really breathing a sigh of relief. I know I was really happy to see it doing so well, and um, I, I was I wasn't really surprised that it was backed, but um, I was I feel more relieved than anything else that it was backed because um, as we saw at Toy Fair this year, they're doing some really great collector oriented items that are coming later in the year and i have to ask myself if the barge hadn't passed you know whether we would be seeing those things and i'm inclined to think probably not
0: yeah i it's interesting because looking we've looking ahead we have a whole year of sort of return of the jedi sail barge adjacent releases uh, coming our way from from three packs of, of jabba's guards to an all new tooled skiff which is something that it's, a you know, now that we've got the sale barge, it's a must-have, but prior to that, is that really something Hasbro would have been interested in?
1: Right, exactly. Um, I'm inclined to think not. Uh, I think since the barge did do so well, and it it was backed not only at the minimum amount of units they required, but, you know, pretty significantly beyond that, uh, I think that, you know, kind of got Hasbro thinking, you know what, there are still three three or three-quarter-inch collectors out there who are, um, you know, supporting this line who have been in there, you know, for the long haul. And, you know, let's try doing these other things that we haven't really done in a while. Because it goes back to what you said a little while ago that three three quarter inch really hasn't had a whole lot um, that's been all that great in the last few years. They've gone to five POA and personally I think there's a place for five POA, but I don't think that it has to be like the flagship three three quarter inch line. I mean it's okay if you want to sell a figure for five dollars and, you know, maybe with a single accessory and, you know, that's kind of its own, you know, thing, the budget segment of 3-3 three three quarter-inch. But I don't think that, um, you know, the super articulated 3-3 three three quarter-inch should have ever gone by the wayside the way that it did. Um, so, yeah, it's it's uh, it's really intriguing to see what's on the horizon. And, and I'm just hopeful that, you know, maybe they're kind of realizing now that, you know, we still want to support, you know, 3-3 three three quarter-inch, super articulated, highly detailed, you know, place ads, vehicles, whatever you guys want to give us if, you know, it's the stuff that we're looking for, and it's not, you know, relegated to, you know, a big fold-out BB-8 type playset.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's uh, – uh, and, and look, I admire uh, – anytime Hasbro tries something that that's a little different or a little new, I admire that. Uh, I'll, I'll give them credit for their current five point of articulation line in that where there's a, a character that simply isn't available in in the scale or the style I like – it looks they they've gotten those to the point where the paint decos are solid, and where I can put those on the shelf in my collection, and they're fine if if it's a character that's not particularly dynamic like the uh uh from solo the the guards from Kessel like uh-huh. those, those guys didn't do a whole lot I don't need that figure like I don't need a lot out of that figure as long uh-huh. as it stands there and looks like the guy in the movie. I'm good. So, like, I do feel like there's a place for the five POA alongside uh, the vintage collection style. But yeah, it's vintage had, had been neglected a bit, and I'm I'm also glad that you brought up the idea of we need to support this so we can see what they're doing in the future because that was absolutely part of my motivation as well. Like, I wanted a sail barge, but I also felt like. If this is really my toy line, and it is, like you, the, this the Star Wars wall is is the biggest in my room. Uh, then I need to support this. I need to put my money where my mouth is and tell Hasbro, "Hey, I'm I'm in, and and whatever you guys do, I, I'm I want to see the future of this HasLab thing."
1: Yeah, 100%. And uh, to your point about them doing, you know, much better on 3, three quarter inch 5POA, uh, I think that's totally true. If you look at Resistance, the figures are awesome.
0: Oh, yeah, those are beautiful figures. Uh, I... I checked into the show for an episode, and it didn't grab me, and I kind of recognized, like, okay, this is something I'm going to have to go back to when I can watch a bunch of episodes at once, like, probably mm-hmm. with my son. I've got an 11-year-old son who who is also a big Star Wars fan and is actually – I am collecting the Jurassic Park line vicariously through him.
1: Nice. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, but, yeah, it's, it's something we're going to have to sit down and get into together. But, yeah, those figures are just gorgeous. If I had – a place for them to go I would have them all by now for sure but they at this point they kind of don't fit anywhere in my collection uh, but yeah and and I love that they did them it's just that my issue now is that we have a, a show that's ostensibly about uh, starfighter pilots and we have no starfighters to put them in <laughs> but uh, it's time now I think to sit down and really talk about the Katana which is the pronunciation we're going to stick with because it just sounds cool uh what were your expectations going into this now the the process i felt like hasbro was very transparent about what they were doing with this ship about what it was going to be there were no issues about well we and and i don't uh, i don't know if you have any experience with with other toy companies i was a masters of the universe classics collector so uh as much as i love that line there was a lot of uh changes in things between what was announced and what was released uh with this i felt like hasbro was very clear this is what we're making this is what's going to be involved with it uh and at no point along the line did i ever feel like oh well i was expecting this but now we're getting this my expectations were very firmly guided by hasbro during this whole process did you feel like they were very good with communication throughout the, the, uh, I guess, production period?
1: I think they were. Uh, I know that I didn't receive any of those email updates, but I was able to oh, see wow. them through people that had forward, forwarded them to me or, you know, certain websites were posting the updates. so I was able to see them all. I just never personally received them. Um, but I think they did a great job at the very beginning saying, you know, if, if this gets supported, this is what we're doing. It's going to be the most detailed Star Wars vehicle you've ever seen. It's going to look very film authentic. Uh, it's going to have some, some of the most amazing paintwork we've ever done. And we're also doing Yak Face and Jabba. You're going to get these amazing figures with the barge. And I think that they, throughout the process, um, you know, did a good job um, providing updates, but also keeping people... Um, uh, you know, uplifted to see that, you know, they were sticking true to their word of creating a product that was going to be solid, that was going to make a lot of people happy and that it was going to be worth your $500. And um, I, I, the only thing that I think they could have maybe done a little bit better is that I think that we really could have used, maybe maybe I'm jumping ahead here, but I think we could have used a uh, how to assemble video. Like I, I know that companies do that, Um, I know that, like, Hot Toys will do that. Um, Sideshow will do that with with, uh, the Hot Toys figures, like how to build or how to pose your figure. And um, other companies do that too for like a set how to assemble your your new playset things like that. So I really think this particular item, especially when you consider how unique and how special and how expensive it is, that they could have at the you know done that at the bare minimum. Um, but that aside, uh, in general, I think they've done a pretty good job, you know, keeping people appraised of the situation, so to say, <laughs> and um, uh, just keeping uh, the excitement going because uh, you know people have been seeing the development of this thing for a year. And, um, you know, seeing, seeing the process come to fruition after all this time, I think, has been a pretty rewarding thing.
0: I completely agree with you about the how-to video uh, because I spent, I'd say, at least a good half hour sweating and terrified trying to get <laughs> the last corner of the sail onto the frame because it just wouldn't, and for the listeners, uh, this has fabric sales, and the I, I've got to say, the engineering that went into this is astonishing. I, I have never, I've owned a couple of toys in my life, and <laughs> I've never seen anything like this as far as just the planning. Uh, the, the planning that went into packing it was more intense than a lot of toys that I own, let alone the the toy themselves. But uh, so the fabric sails have to be put onto the masts and the support frames. And you you have to sort of stretch them a little bit. And there was one corner. It's it's a – the sail has a sort of peg on it that slides in between the slot on the support frame. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. I I was just – my son was sitting here with me because he helped me put the whole thing together – and, uh, of course there were a couple of spots where I was like, I'm doing this part because if I break this, I get to be mad at me, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, and I don't know that there would have been a better way to do it, but did you run into any spots where you were really like, I'm afraid I'm going to destroy this thing
1: in the very same spot, uh, putting together those sails, and they look spectacular when they're done, but they are a pain to get assembled and. The main problem that I had was, you know, you have that main part, like the mast, if you want to call it that, that supports the frame that goes above it. And then, you know, you, of course, you put on the the fabric. Um, what I, where I went wrong is I, I struggled a little bit with the instructions because I don't feel that they were exactly where they needed to be. There were, but I was confused because the frame is just, it's really just one piece, but the way it's shown in the instructions, it's actually like four pieces. So yeah. I, that, I found that confusing. Um, when I was trying to assemble that onto the mast, I accidentally put it on backwards, and it snapped in place. You would think that something like this would be a one-way assembly, but it, it didn't. It snapped in place the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. And I I panicked a little bit. <laughs> um, I, I struggled with getting those two pieces separated. I had to pull out the hairdryer and start heating it up, and it still wasn't coming off. My husband, I I brought him in he, to... I mean, up to this point, I had done pretty well putting it together by myself, which I don't recommend. I think you do need a a barge buddy in this case like you had.
0: And I love the fact that in the instructions it says (laughs) you you should have a barge buddy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Um, I I brought him in, and, you know, we still couldn't figure it out. And, you know, finally I'm like, okay, so it's it's just this one, these two pieces that are stuck in this one space. So I found an itty-bitty little flathead screwdriver. I just wedged it in. and right away boom it, it, it loosed okay. it, it loosened itself and i was able to uh to finish the assembly and yeah the stretching of the sails was a little bit nerve-wracking i gotta say um and uh, my husband did help me with that i said okay you hold it and i'm gonna stretch this as hard as i can over and he's like you're gonna tear it you're gonna tear it and i'm like well i don't know what else to do it seems like this is the only way to assemble it <laughs> and um yeah a few um a little bit later it, it was fully assembled it was just a little bit of a nerve-wracking process
0: the other point where i was really nervous was getting the panel that covers the cockpit uh off that one seemed to be the most difficult one to get off and i, yes. I struggled a little bit like get it because it's it's curved so it's hard to get a hold of it you know it's not like the rest of the panels on the side where you have the little lip at the bottom and you just pull up that one it, it was a challenge
1: It was. Uh, Somebody told me that if you put your hand through the inside of the cockpit and and kind of push it, that it it helps. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I actually didn't didn't know about that when I was doing it. And, yes, I totally agree. It was difficult for me to get off.
0: Well, and now it's with all of the parts, though, once you've done it a couple of times, you kind of get a feel for how to do it, and it's no big deal going forward. Uh, And that cockpit, my gosh, is just gorgeous.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> There's never been any Star Wars vehicle with a cockpit that looks like this and it's it's truly a work of art when you pull that panel off and you're analyzing all the little details and all the little colors and even the seats, you know, they have a very nice metallic finish to them like just the whole thing is a work of art.
0: Yeah, just all the instrumentate well, and and that's as toy collectors in this day and age um getting a lot of detailed paint is like the biggest thrill in the world (laughs) because paint is Mm -hmm. something that has fallen by the wayside in a lot of ways in a lot of toy lines and just seeing all of the paint apps on the instrumentation and the dials and the gauges and everything else in that cockpit and all over this vehicle uh, is just mind-blowing.
1: Absolutely, and it doesn't end there, of course. Once you start getting through the entire interior, your mind is just blown as soon as you lay eyes on it.
0: I mean, I, I could write a full review of like each little section of this this vehicle. I mean, obviously you've got up top where where most of the action takes place. Uh, it is great. It's the deck. It's cool. I love the fact that they actually uh, have the loudspeakers on the mast supports. I think that's fantastic. Uh, but then you have all of the and look, I I don't follow along online with things uh, as closely as a lot of people do. So for me, the trap door into the prison cell was a surprise. I did not know that was Mm going to be part of the ship.
1: Yeah, I didn't know about that either in... You know, I actually didn't notice that there was a button there for it, so I noticed the door on top initially, and then I started, like, pressing on it, like, what's this? And then it opened up. I'm like, oh, so there's a door here, but you have to push on it. Right. And then a, a minute later, I saw, oh, wait, wait, what's this button do? And then I pressed it, and I was like, wow, the trap door opens when you push the button, and you can't even, like, it's so well integrated into the ship that you barely even see it.
0: Yeah, that, well, and what's funny is I, I saw it, and, and look, trapdoor into prison cell is one of the classic toy playset features, like, of all time. If, yes. If, if your playset doesn't have a prison, then it's not even worth buying. But then if the, the trapdoor into the prison cell, like, that's, that's it. That's the genius. That's the center of any playset. Uh, and I saw it, and I looked in the instructions, and the instructions say press the button under the railing so I had the assistance of the instructions and st- and couldn't find the button because it's so <laughs> well. Because I was looking for it on the other side first. Uh, I wasn't expecting it. And that's one thing that I really admire about this is that the engineers really designed this thing knowing that you were playing with it from one angle. Uh, yes. All of the features, everything can be gotten to from that side Uh, visually, aesthetically, everything is designed from the opening side. So you can get to everything. It it all works facing that way and I really appreciate that.
1: Oh yeah, 100%. And uh, with a vehicle of this size, you really need it to be kind of a one-sided sort of um, you know, place that where you can access everything from one side because it's really hard to turn, you know, turn <laughs> yeah. it to the other side, especially if, if you have it like on a shelf or something. You know, you it, it's really impossible to do that. So uh, I'm really glad that they took the approach that they did in incorporating all of those features to be accessible from one side only because I think it makes it a lot easier.
0: Yeah, not, not a lot of people are going to have a four-foot lazy Susan in the middle of their room with this barge <laughs> sitting on it. But that's not to say they neglected the other side because it still has uh the opening they've got i guess you would say ventilation panels and then actual functioning like window panels that figures can peek out of mm-hmm. uh, those are all along the side that opens but the other side the ventilation panels in the rear still do open up and have functionality they're not just sculpted in and i appreciate right. that they did that
1: Absolutely, I love the shutters. I love that they function. I love that um, some of them open and some don't to me that makes it even better. I don't I don't know why but um just just the fact that you can kind of play with it and you know the, it, and, and you can customize it a little bit too. if you want to have them all the way open, you can do that. if you want to have them just a crack open, you can do that if you want to have some open and some cracked open um when when, play, when toys have the ability to be customized to your liking, uh, I think that makes them all the more special, and you know, just little touches like that really do it for me.
0: Well, and that's—it's all about that play value of of things that are just fun to manipulate and move around. And like, oh, my sail barge! I I put this in. Granted, this is a whole lot of playground, so no two <laughs> sail barges are ever going to look the same. But there is so much opportunity to sort of make this your own personal sail barge. Hundred percent. Uh, so, aside from the trapdoor into the prison cell, do you have sort of a favorite feature or something you found that immediately just delighted you?
1: Um, I think that the trapdoor, I thought, was a blast to discover. Um, I would also say, and I'm turning my head to look because it's behind me. <laughs> um, the fact that um uh, dais slides back and forth, I didn't really expect that. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was a great thing to, for them to have done because it enables you to kind of, you know, customize the figures you have around him. Um, I do wish that it slid forward a little bit. Um, I mean, that's not a huge deal. Obviously, the barge is awesome as is. It's just a little tiny nitpick of mine. But, um, yeah, in addition to the the dice sliding back and forth and uh, the trapdoor... Um, uh, I think the fact that the masts and the sails can be removed uh, is great for playability. I'm I'm never going to do that, most likely, but uh, I can see how if you wanted to just take everything off and you know maybe have like a little battle. I'm not sure how many kids are playing with the barge, honestly. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but like you said, uh, it goes back to playability and just having those features there, you know, in case you did want to use them.
0: Uh, one Another spot, this just occurred to me since we're talking about the deck and I'm sitting here looking at it, uh, another spot where I got really nervous manipulating this thing is that deck cannon. Uh, it is designed, uh, it's, it's hinged to move up and down because obviously it has to be. You have to be able to point it at the deck to recreate mm-hmm. one of the key scenes from the movie, but it comes out of the box at an upward angle and, again, the thing is designed so well that the moving parts aren't immediately recognizable as moving. And uh, I, I I felt certain that it should move up and down, but I really sat there sweating while I was getting the – because mine had a little <laughs> bit – it had a little bit of paint stick. Uh, but then once I got it, it moves very freely. But that was another nervous part where I was like, all right – Gonna get this thing loose. Do I need to go get the hair dryer? Because that—that's as a toy collector, when you get something yep. that's got a stuck joint, you know exactly how much wiggle you're willing to put into it before you say, "Okay, I've got to do something. <laughs> I've got to do something more with this." Too true. Uh, and an, another thing that I loved that I didn't discover, my son actually found this one is the uh, the smuggling panel.
1: Mm, yeah, that that's that's a lot of fun. Um, you know what we need? We need some little vials of coaxium or something that we can sneak in there.
0: Oh, that would be fantastic! That would be absolutely great. Well, I've got um, the hover tank came with uh, the little opening crate that has all the little doodads inside. That that wouldn't be a bad alternative for the time being. Uh, but I'm yeah. sure I'm sure a third party company or a 3D printer or something will uh, will create those sooner than later. Uh, let's oh yeah. See, just just looking through here, I love the fact that there's a kitchen. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, uh, I jumped on board this thing day one, just at it, sort of glancing at what they had thrown up there, and there's a big difference in looking at the printed design of something and actually having it in front of you, you know, able to put your hands in it and put figures in it and whatnot. And I don't think I had really realized that the two little sinks and all the creatures hanging on the wall, I was like, of course Java has a kitchen.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's an awesome detail. Um, Like you say, it makes perfect sense that he would. I mean, this katana is... Um, the way that it's it's detailed in the description is like it's a luxury yacht that Java has to showcase his wealth or something along those lines. So I mean, yeah, it has to have a galley where you know he has his chefs and they're prepping up you know the finest you know meals on Tatooine, and um, I think they're called Chubas, the little uh, little frog like guys that hang in the back. Um, I, yeah, it's just 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 the thought of it, you know, without even seeing it, you know, if, if you knew that the katana had a kitchen just the thought of it makes you wonder what it would actually look like and the fact that Hasbro put it in here um really makes this so much cooler
0: yeah and i now specifically want and i'm sure somewhere in the novels and and in the uh the extra material we have met jabba's chef but now whatever that individual may look like i need a figure of jabba's chef <laughs> uh and you know what I just noticed I'm sitting here uh looking at the manual the the final page uh, page of the manual sort of highlights all the various features and I just saw on here there's actually a breakaway railing that I hadn't even found or looked oh, at wow. yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh yeah, it's a, there's a break in the railing uh to simulate where R2D2 uh took off of the deck.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's another great touch that they incorporated on there. Um, it, I actually have on my barge and may, maybe we'll get into the figures in a little bit in a little bit, but, um, I actually have 3PO and R2 kind of headed in that direction towards where that break is, but they're not quite there yet. So the break is still in place.
0: Nice. Nice. Yeah. The, okay. Yeah. So let's, uh, now that we've talked about the barge itself, uh, probably not enough, but some, cause you know, really I could sit here for several more hours oh, discussing yeah. this incredible yeah. thing. Uh, I'm very impressed, before we move on to the figures, real quick, I just want to say I'm very impressed with the clear pegs that they have underneath uh, as support to give it the illusion that it's hovering. Uh, were mm-hmm. there were there any other sort of big big or little things that you wanted to call out before we move on to how we're going to staff this thing?
1: Um, I just wanted to, uh, to highlight how amazing the interior is. I know we touched on it a little bit with the cockpit and the prison and, and the galley, but I mean, also the armory and, of course, like, Java's main, um, his, his court, or if you want to call it that, is is just superbly detailed. I've never seen a toy in this three and three quarter inch or any, probably any three and three quarter inch line that looks like this. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. The woods look like woods. The metals look like metals. I mean, the, the inside of the prison cell looks kind of grimy. It looks like, you know, like the Thorian corpse. He, he genuinely looks like he's been there for years on end. Um, I even brought my husband in, and he's not usually one to to notice these kinds of things. He doesn't really care for (laughs) any of this stuff, to be honest, Um, but he's supportive. He's glad that I like it, and... Uh, but he can come into our, our home office where I have, you know, all of our, all my toy displays and he can, I can ask him, so how do you like the way I displayed my shelves, the way I rearranged uh, the toys on my Jurassic Park shelf? And he'll be like, what? Wait, you, you rearranged them? I, oh, I, I hadn't noticed. <laughs> um, but as soon as he saw the inside of the barge, I mean, his his jaw sort of dropped. He was like, wow, that, that is pretty incredible stuff. So to me, that just says how amazing of a job they actually did with detailing this fantastic vehicle.
0: Yeah, one other little thing I wanted to point out, uh, because I'm not sure it's even mentioned in the directions, and it, it took some work, again, because there was a little sticky paint issue, I think, uh, is Jabba's intercom does actually pull out of that table and go into his hand. That took a lot of work to to get that thing loose as well. Uh, but it was a great touch, the fact that uh-huh. it actually works that way. I, I love it. I love that. And you know what? I guess uh, uh, as the sort of last thought about the barge, or my last thought about the barge, Everything does, if not exactly what I expect it to, more. Yes. Like there's there's nothing I looked at that I was like, oh well, that stinks. That should have been better. Like there are a couple things maybe I would have changed a little bit, but for the most part, the, the each little feature exceeded my expectations.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's where the barge really shines is not only did they deliver on the promise that this, this was going to be one of the most incredible things you would ever add to your collection, but in my estimation, they actually went beyond that. Uh, I think it was, um, they had said it was at New York Toy Fair that this thing has like like over a thousand paint apps. And when you just think about that, that is absolutely insane. I mean, nothing, I mean, even in the three and three quarter inch line, I can't think of anything that has a thousand paint apps. I don't think anything has ever had anything close to a thousand paint apps, but, um, yeah, the fact that they just went beyond what we expected and really made the barge something special, um, is, is something that's going to make it an everlasting piece in any collection.
0: And beyond that, and for the listeners, if, if you're listening to us talk about this thing so enthusiastically and, and believe me, if anything, our enthusiasm is, is probably a bit muted even, uh, yeah, <laughs> This is still available. Uh, there are retailers that ordered plenty of this. Uh, you may end up paying a little bit more. I don't know how that's costing out. But you can still get your hands on one of these. And if, if you have even a, a, a bit of a thought that you would want one, I recommend you act now because this this is going to go down as to- in toy history as one of the greatest toys of all time, if not the. 100%.
1: Couldn't have said it better myself.
0: Uh, so... Who are we putting in this thing? Obviously, we've got... Oh, you know what? Speaking of that, okay, what are you doing with your... Are you keeping your yak face?
1: On the card, yes, and I'm keeping the the figure, yes.
0: <laughs> I, I just don't know because, you know, they're releasing the regular vintage collection yak face. Um, with Star Wars, I'm not much of a carded collector. I'm kind of thinking about selling this one and just having the vintage collection one. I, I, I haven't totally made up my mind, but... Uh, I just having this single carded yak face. I, I don't know that I need it.
1: Yeah, and and there's no right or wrong way to go about it. If if uh, I know some people are doing that and they're they're pulling back, um, you know, roughly half uh, of what they invested in the barge. So that's really a good way to help pay for it. I know some people also sold things off, like the booklet, which you know they were selling those for around forty dollars not too long ago. Oh wow, that's uh, wild. Yeah. So I mean. Yeah, I think you know it's highly tailored to whatever you like doing. I'm not a huge card collector myself. I just feel like with this particular item, I want to keep it like 100 intact as I got it. So sure, sure. Um, I do want to keep that fair because uh, I think it's it's special. It is part of the set. I did have some issues with the condition of the overall card, um, but for the most part, you know, it looks it's great. It's displayable. And um, I mean, same with the Java. I know a couple of people that were selling Java because they already had Java. And I'm like, well, I don't know about that because this is the best Java that's ever looked in the three and the quarter inch scale. Um, But yeah, I mean, ultimately, I I think um, there's not really any rules to the way we collect or how we collect. And um, whatever, you know, one person might do can be completely different to what the other person's going to do.
0: Well, and beyond that, we know that we have a new playset coming of Java's throne room. So I yeah. personally I need a second Java to go in that.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you've been collecting this line for, you know, any any amount of time, I mean they they do Java every now and then. We get yeah. updated Jabas. Um and they've progressively, in my view, gotten better. Um this is the same exact Java that we had in uh, twenty I think it was twenty fifteen when Toys R Us did that really big box set with the Rancor and, you know, those other figures. They had some really nice figures in there. Um, but it, this one has photo real, and it. it's got a much nicer paint scheme to it. So I think if that's kind of what you're going for, like the ultimate definitive Java, I think that you really need to have this one. And I, and I do hope that, um, if anything from this set that, that Hasbro does find a way to make that figure available later on because there are going to be other avenues in which we will need another Java. Like if they do build out that playset, the, the adventure playset for Jabba's Palace, um, yeah, there's going to be a market for Jabba the Hutt, so I do hope that they find a way to get him out there again.
0: I I don't doubt for a second we'll see this this Jabba. You know, obviously the paint will probably be a little different. There might be some different tooling, but we'll we'll see basically this same Jabba again in a future, you know, multi set. Maybe maybe with, I, you know, what I realized staffing and we can get into putting figures in this thing now. Uh, I I don't have a modern bib for Tuna.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, The last one they did was in 2006 during the Saga Collection, which, I mean, 2006, that's already, you know, I'm not great at math, but it's been over a decade. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right.
0: Over a decade is too long for any, uh, uh, I guess, primary supporting character. Is that how we describe Bib.
1: I call them secondary characters and then for like things like like background cantina aliens or you know things like yak face even I call them I refer to them usually as tertiary figures are kind of on the fringes but yeah, yeah that that's just my personal way of defining them but yes I, I completely agree I'm bit Fortuna did play a pretty a prominent supporting role in the whole Jabba's palace thing so um yeah I'm a little surprised we haven't gotten an updated one at this point
0: yeah we so we we need him and uh that'd be a fine start to a set. But so I've got tons of, I guess you'd call them Jedi Tatooine figures, the the characters that appeared in some capacity uh, in the opening scenes of Return of the Jedi, w- whether they were on the sail barge, whether they were in Jabba's palace. And I love that they all share an aesthetic. They're immediately recognizable. Uh, my My son actually went and collected them all from, the the shelves to bring over to the barge because i wanted him to put those in there however he wanted and even though he's not as immersed in the m- mythology as i well i can't say i am because I, as i get older i start to forget the name of the guy that was standing like furthest to the right in the wide <laughs> shot of the like i don't remember that stuff like i used to but uh you know he was easily able to pull all of the characters that were appropriate from the shelf and bring them over and it is so awesome seeing all of those guards seeing Klaatu, Barada, Nikto um, which obviously are the three easiest to remember Uh, (laughs) but just seeing all of those characters on the deck of this thing and in the guts of this thing it's amazing and the fact that they don't fill it up is even more amazing.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think when you look at the barge, it's one thing to admire how amazing it looks without any figures in it. But once you get those figures in there, I think that's when it really comes to life. Yeah. Um, and it's highly customizable. You can do whatever you want with it in terms of you know moving the, your aliens around where you have Bib Fortuna standing where you have if you see through wherever you have him is he going to be on the on, on the upper deck? is he going to be on the inside? Um, I mean, you really can do whatever you want if you want to go f- uh, full on and recreate scenes from the film, then I mean that's an option to you. but um, yeah, it's like you said earlier, no, no two barges are going to be exactly the same and and I love that. I love that everybody can do whatever they want with their barges.
0: And you can, ha- you can have guys coming up through the, uh, the, the la- all of the ladders, uh, go mm-hmm. up to opening doors. So there's just so much interactivity with this thing. It's not, it's not a static play set. It's not something where, okay, well, I set this guy here and this guy here, and I guess that's what we do. There's so many different options to have the, the figures actually interact with the elements of this thing.
1: Oh yeah, completely. I, I, and that's another great thing about it is that you know you, if, in the film, we did see people coming out of those those hatches and just kind of appearing out of nowhere and giggling. And um, you know, Princess Leia on the gun, and uh, you know, like you mentioned, three PO and R two going over the uh, the side. Where, if you pull out the little piece of railing, so. Um, it, it isn't static. There are things you can do with it, and and that's kind of what I've done with mine. Is is for the top deck, I've I've tried to recreate Return of the Jedi as, as faithfully as I reasonably can, but for the inside, I've kind of gone for more of like a, a Java, you know, the hut. Um, maybe not particular to Return of the Jedi, but like a, a time where you know Jabba's just sailing around Tatooine in his barge.
0: A day in um, the life of Jabba.
1: Exactly. <laughs> I have chefs in the kitchen. I have. Um, you know, in the armory, I have a few guys just kind of standing around chatting. I have the same thing going on in the prison where I put, um, the two from Java's palace that were kind of protecting the rancor or the rancor keepers, um, Malakali, I think is his name and, um, gear on, um, cause that just seems like where they should be. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, I have Java just holding up his glass, looking all proud on his dais and, uh, surrounded by, all, you know, all these other characters like Bosque and, uh, you know, Erodian, not necessarily Greedo, but maybe sure, it's Greedo. Sure, sure. Um, they,
0: they all dressed the same for the most yeah, part.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They did, basically. And um, the only thing I don't have in there yet is Yak Face, and that's because I haven't been able to acquire, um, you know, just a regular Vintage Collection Yak Face. I do have the Power of the Force 2 one, but it just doesn't look right in there. Yeah. And um, uh, one thing that I do want to mention is that if you have Joba's band members that have been released over you know, the last couple of decades, um, Hasbro did put out two of his uh, drummers, and you had to buy each of the drummers to, to assemble the entire drum. Now, there's not really room, at least the way that I set mine up, to put that drum inside the barge. So what I did with those two drummers is I actually put them to work in the kitchen, and they work perfectly in there.
0: Oh, interesting. I'll have to take a look around and see if those guys are still available. I I never got the uh the drum set for the, for the band.
1: Yeah, I'll send you a photo afterward.
0: Excellent. Yeah, I'd love to see it. Well, I think uh I think we've covered Java's barge about as much as a verbal conversation can cover Java's barge. Are there any final thoughts <laughs> you've got about this
1: thing before we wrap up? Uh, just to say that if you did back the barge, I mean, you've been immensely rewarded by a fantastic product that I think is going to stand the test of time as being one of the greatest items that has ever been released by any toy manufacturer. Uh, if you didn't and you're still intrigued by the barge, I think that, you know, you're probably going to want to jump on it now. I, I don't think that waiting, you know, a year or two years is going to bring that price down. if anything, I see that price continuing to appreciate as the years go on, um, I think that it is probably the greatest thing Hasbro has done in the modern Star Wars toy line, and I would probably go as far as to say it it might very well be the greatest Star Wars item that has been done in either the Kenner or Hasbro Star Wars toy line. Uh, It's certainly become the centerpiece of my collection, especially my Star Wars collection, and uh, I I just can't see my collection without it now that it's here. It's going to be very special uh, for for the rest of my life, I assume. And uh, I'm really excited to have it. And if, if if you have that opportunity to buy it, especially how it's going to become available seemingly to uh, international customers pretty soon here, um, definitely jump on it. Um, you're not even though you might have to pay a little bit more for it. You're gonna have to pay freight. You know what? It's a once in a lifetime piece, uh, and you, I think any longtime collector owes it to themselves to add it to their collection.
0: I agree with that 100%. Now now is the time to jump on this thing if you missed out on on backing it in the first place. Uh, I really think we're, you know, we may never see anything like this again. Uh, and, and it's, if if I had not gotten it, I would be kicking myself self daily right now, for sure. Oh, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, Victoria, thank you so much for coming on the show. Before you go, tell us, where can we find you online and what are you up to?
1: Well, Dave, thanks a bunch for having me on the show. It's been fun chatting about the barge. I never get tired of talking about our favorite toys. Now, I can be found on YouTube. That's where I do the bulk of my work. It is through doing toy reviews, um, uh, primarily for Star Wars and uh, the Jurassic World toy line. We also do the odds and ends here, like Marvel Legends or um, DC figures, uh, things like that. Um, I'm also available through the Cantina Chatter podcast, which is available anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can download it or you can stream it on YouTube. Uh, I also have the Discovery Land podcast. That's a Disney history podcast. It's also available everywhere. And uh, I can be found on social media. I do the bulk of my social media work on Instagram, uh, where I'm constantly posting uh, toy photography using my uh, dinosaurs and my Star Wars toys uh, in, in outdoor settings generally, and uh, just creating fun photos. A lot of people are doing that, and it's a blast to get into. Um, I'm Victoria's Cantina on Instagram. On Twitter, I'm at Vix Cantina. And on Facebook, uh, you can just search Victoria's Cantina, and I will show up
0: awesome well thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about this incredible toy and i look forward to talking to you again sooner than later
1: absolutely thanks again dave it's been a blast
0: so i strongly recommend you check out victoria's cantina uh on youtube and also on instagram uh i've actually been following now uh since we first got the connection from our pal uh, pal adam Paulus. And what I'm really enjoying is all the Jurassic Park photography. Uh, she puts up some really cool pictures of the current Jurassic Park toys, like out in the wild and stuff. But these are, you know, they're not like, I put up pictures of toys, but they have like maybe an extreme sets background or, or whatever, just because I, I, don't, I don't have the motivation to take really nice toy pictures. Probably don't have the skill either. Uh, but if you follow Victoria's Cantina on Instagram, You get some really cool stuff with all the Jurassic Park, like dinosaurs, lots of dinosaurs out in the wild, like awesome photography. I've really been enjoying that, which is funny because, like, as I mentioned, my son and I are sort of collecting that Jurassic Park line together. But uh, to see something really cool and artistic being done with all those toys is awesome. And, And I know, you know, Jurassic Park is it's it's funny there's a whole episode to be done about the generation of of me and then the generation of like victoria and like ryan cadaver that 10 years younger who the lion king and jurassic park are like two of their sacred touchstones whereas for me they're awesome movies But they just didn't hit me at that same age that they hit those guys. Uh, That's an interesting podcast that I'm going to look into figuring out how to do like a a generational thing. But anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, It was a lot of fun talking to Victoria. I'm hoping to work with her again at some point in the future on more Star Wars stuff. And uh, just stay tuned. Always cool stuff coming. I love you guys.
1: Thank you for listening to the Needless Things Podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vicks employee. Love you. Mean it. uh Uh-huh.